Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at East Coweta High School in Sharpsburg. We invite you to join us for our energetic and passionate worship services. Check us out at realchurchcoweta.com or search for us on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. This is kind of funny. When, when I was 12 years old, and I don't know why, you know, you think of stuff that happens um, when you're growing up. Has anyone ever had something when they were growing up and they thought about it and they look back? And when you look back, you were thinking, what in the heck were my parents thinking? You ever done, you ever done that? You know, I remember, I remember writing. Yeah, I know some of the kids are like, I'm thinking it right now. All right, right now. I remember writing. I rode uh, in uh, the car. My dad had a white Cadillac. It was a 77 Cadillac. It was the size, the front and back seats were the size of two large couches. All right? <clears throat> the car was massive. It was, it was incredible. I remember the day it went home to be with the Lord. Um, and that was, that, that was uh, I came home from school. And when I came home from school, um, it was really bad because the, the Cadillac was on fire. And I remember getting off the bus and I saw smoke coming up. Uh, and we lived in a little neighborhood, and I was like, somebody's house is on fire. And, and the closer I got, the closer I began to realize the caddy was on fire. And so that's what occurred that day. It went home to be with Lord. But I used to lay in the back window of that car. You guys know the old vehicles used to have long windows in the back. I used to lay in the back window of that car and just lay there. And I don't know how I survived that. If my dad would have thrown the I mean, brakes, I would have went through the front windshield probably. Just went right over his head. It was kind of crazy. I did. I used to lay in the back window of that car. One of the things that we used to do, and this is kind of crazy, but one of the things we used to do is my family was a very spiritual family, all right? Um, they were deeply spiritual. And so we would have poker night at our house, all right? And I know some of you guys were like, yeah, we have poker night, and it's going to be... It's, it's great, and it's all fine. Now, um, you know, penny poker, where everybody gets some pennies, and you just kind of throw them in. It's not what we had, all right? I'm talking about go find the stash you've had. Bring your quarters, dollars, quarters, whatever, dimes, nickels, and we're going to all play poker. And I remember we used to gather around. We had a, we had a farm table back before farm tables were cool. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we had the, the farm table, and it had, uh, it, it was like a, it was a farm table. It was a big old table, and we would all gather around. We would play poker. And um, when we would play poker, um, we would get really competitive, really competitive. I was 12 years old, all right, playing five-card Texas Hold'em, Jack. All right? I'm telling you, it was no new trend for me. This new trend, no, I used to do this stuff when I was 12. And I remember this particular night, it was myself and my brothers, both my, one of my brothers and my mom. It was just three of us. My dad was working. My other brother was out on a date. And I remember, I remember uh, specifically, the pot had gotten really big. You know how sometimes, not that he or whatever, go gamble and play poker. But whenever you see, watch other people, your friends, they do it. And, and they, they, there comes a time whenever, whenever the pot begins to grow. 
And so the pot starts growing. It starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it had gotten huge. 13 bucks. <laughs> let me tell you something. At 12 years old, especially back in like, let me see, that would have been probably 81. I mean, 13 bucks was a lot of money. It was like 30 now. It was a lot of money. And I'll never forget, I had like a dollar and a half left, all pennies. I'm talking about stack. I remember, I remember this. So I don't know. You know, it's amazing. I can't remember scripture, but I can remember how, many, how I did my money back when I was playing poker uh, with my parents. I had stacks of 10 cents, in, uh, 10 pennies all the way across, man, because it looked bigger. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it was in. And I had, I, had a great, I had a great hand. I had three aces. I mean, I had it. And I remember what I did. Came around to me, and I was like, what are you going to bet? I said, I'm all in. Now, what you going to do? And my brother said, well, I'm all in, too. Pushed it all to the front of the table. And my mom, being my mom, said, I fold. I ain't got no pair. Pair twos. My mom always did that. And now it was time to show the hand. And we didn't really know the rules back then because my brother would always want me to show first and I would want him to show first. My brother, finally, I convinced him. I said, listen, what do you got? Y'all, at this time, there's like 1450 on the line, all right? I was nervous. I had all my money. I remember I carried it in a plastic bag. I had all my money out on the table. It was piled up, too. There was not a dollar one. There wasn't a quarter one. It was on nickels, dimes, and pennies, piled high. He said, I got three jacks. Beat that. I said, I got three aces, brother. Woo! And I pulled it all to the table. And then I did what any younger brother would do. I quit. <laughs> and he beat me up, and that's a true story. <laughs> but I still had 1450. And I was happy. I was happy. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I was down here and I asked people if I, uh, they needed prayer. And someone came down. And they said something to me, and man, it really hit me right in the forehead. I mean, I was like, wow. They said this. They said, I want to go all in for God. I, I, I want to I be fully committed to Christ. I want to be fully committed to Christ. And it was amazing because when he told me that, you know what I thought? Me too. Me too. We've been doing a series called What If. Usually when we do what ifs in our lives, it's what if the house burns down or what if uh, someone dies or, or what if, what if, what if. It's usually those things. I thought we would kind of turn it on its head a little bit and say this, say, well, well, you know, what if positive things begin to happen or what if we began to, to do things for other people, or what if we truly loved other people, or what if, and to turn it on its head, and so today, 
I want to talk about this. What if we went all in? Guys, do I need to go to a wireless handheld mic? I don't mind doing that. I can do it. All right. Testing, testing, testing. Might I turn off, off, off the, I'm just kidding, I'm doing that. Um, so, not that that was distracting or that you're off topic now, but let's get back to all in. We've been going through a series called What If? And the question I want to ask you today is simply this. What if we went all in? What if you went all in? What would that look like? What if we all as a church went all in? What if we had our pennies stacked in front of us? All right? Now, a lot of us, we don't have pennies, do we? We have cars, and we have jobs, and we have life, and we have kids, and we have responsibilities, and we have homes. What if we pushed all that to the center of the table? What if we went all in? The scripture we've been basing this off of is off of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let me say this. We've been using the Message Bible for this particular passage. As I tell you every week, the Message Bible is great to read. Probably wouldn't be great to study from all the time. But every once in a while, the Message Bible gives us something that's kind of a little nugget. And this is the nugget it gives us today. It says, so here's what I want you to do. All right. God helping you. Take your everyday, and this is the part, I want to really focus in on this today. Take your everyday, ordinary life, and then it starts listening it out. It says you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, and you're walking around life. And then it says this, and place it before God as an offering. And we'll stop there. And place it before God as an offering. What if we went all in? What if we as a church went all in? As I was thinking about this message, I thought about another group of people that had this decision to make. I want to tell you a little story. There was a, a group of people in the Old Testament, all right? The group of people in the Old Testament, they, they were called out from slavery, all right? Are you with me? They were called out from bondage. They were in slavery and had been in slavery for 400 years. And they had a leader that God called to go in to deliver them out of slavery and then to walk into God's promised land, to walk into what God had promised them. So the out of slavery part had taken place and it became time to walk into the promised land. And they did something that at the time seemed wise. They sent spies into the land to see what in the world the land looked like. And they went in. And they searched out the land, these spies. And they came back. Now remember, God had already promised. God had already promised the land. He had already promised to protect them. 
to guide them, to direct them, to be their God, to go with them, to walk with them. He had fed them in the wilderness. He had already done all that. He just wanted them to go. But they sent spies. And they sent spies. When the spies came back, every spy except for two said, bro, we can't go. We can't go. There's, you don't understand, there are giants in this land. There are huge things. There are huge things that, that, that we, we can't deal with. We can't go. We can't go. We, oh, the land is amazing. I mean, it is so nice. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, manicured lawns and, you know, direct TV for free. I mean, I'm talking about it is amazing. I mean, there's tennis courts and swimming pools. And I mean, it is heaven on earth, but we can't go. Because along with all those things, there's these huge giants. And they're all over the land. And there's, there's these vast armies and all these people groups. We can't go. And there was two that said, yeah, there are all those things. There are. But let me tell you something. God's gone before us. He's already promised it. We need to go. Only two of the spies were all in. And the leader, the leader decided to wait. Don't forget, he had, they had been brought out of slavery, out of this bondage. He was providing for them in the middle of the time when they're from the bondage to where he wants them to be. He's given them provision and he wants them to go forward. And they don't go forward. And they don't go forward because of fear. And so because they wouldn't go forward. Because they would not be obedient. Because they would not go all in. They spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. You ever feel like that you're spending 40 years wandering in the wilderness? You ever feel that way? You ever feel like, you ever feel like that you're just kind of meandering around with no real purpose? Do you ever feel like that you are just on a little ship that's just kind of going nowhere? And you keep going around and you keep seeing the same things and doing the same things over and over and over and over. You ever, you ever feel that way? You ever feel like all you're doing is wandering around aimlessly in the desert? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've left the bondage over here. All right. But you're not where you know God wants you to be. You've left the bondage, but you're not where God wants you to be. That's where they were. I want to pick up the story. The leader, who was Moses, has died. The generation that chose not to go into the promised land has also died. And now it's time for the new leader to lead them into the promised land. And I want, I want you guys to get this. It's found in Joshua chapter 3, and I'll give you some time to turn there. 
Joshua chapter 3, and it starts with verse 1. Joshua chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Achaia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. And I love this. This is so, the symbolism in this is incredible. I want you to catch the symbolism. It says this, when you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of your Lord God, move out from your positions and follow them. Do you see that symbolism? We're here. We've been grieving. The banks of the river have swollen up. They're overflowing. We're here at the river. We've been through a process of 40 or 50 days of grieving. We know there's things on the other side that we're going to encounter. And he says this. When you see the Levite priest lift up the ark, lift up the symbolism of God, lift up the presence, and you see it start to move, I want you to follow it. I want you to follow it. It says, since you've never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark, and make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. And in the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the ark of the covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out, and they went ahead of the people. And the Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. I want to continue on in verse 9. It says this. It says, So Joshua told the Israelites, Come and listen to what the Lord God says. Today, you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, Jebusites, and any other ite that happens to be in the land ahead of you. Look at the Ark. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan. Now, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel one from each tribe. The priest will carry the ark of the Lord and the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priest who were carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing in its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priest who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began to back up a great distance away from the, to the town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people across over, all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. And I love this. Meanwhile, 
the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by, and they waited until the whole nation of Israel had crossed over on dry ground. Do you see what's going on here? Do you see the differences between one leader and another leader? Do you see the differences between one person who listened to people instead of listening to God and did not go all in and never, ever touch ground on what God had for them fully? Do you see that? Do you see the difference when someone says, the ark is going to go before you? Follow behind that, and that will be your protection. That will be your strength. That will be your guidance. That's where your hope will come from. Can I tell you why I'm talking today about going all in? I'm talking about going all in because it's what God desires for us. It's what God desires for us. One of my favorite passages is Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 6. And you guys have all heard this. Can we bring that up there and I'll just read it? It says, it was in the year King Uzziah died. Once again, they're mourning. King Uzziah has died. It was in the year that King Uzziah has died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings covered their face, and two that covered their feet, and two as how they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of, 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 of the Lord of heaven's army. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook to the temple, to its foundation, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, and I want you to get this. God is all over the place. He's seeing this vision. And this is what Isaiah said. I am jacked up. <laughs> he fell on the floor and said, it is all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips. I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the Lord, the Lord of heaven's army. He's saying this. He's saying, listen, you don't get it, man. I am a sinner. I am someone who is messed up. And I live among people that are messed up. We are people that are messed up. And we live among people that are messed up. And this is what it said. It says, the one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he said this. Can we go on? Is that it? Did, did you cut me off? Did you cut me off? I've been cut off. I'll finish it. He said, he said, he said this. He took the coal and he placed it on his lips. And when he placed it on his lips, he said, this, this will purify you. And so it purified him. And then Isaiah being purified, Isaiah being someone who had come forward and who had said, listen, I messed up. He had fallen literally face down and said, I messed up. He says, no. He says, the, 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 the seraphim flew to him, put the coal on his lips. And then he says this. He says, this will purify you. And Isaiah, and, and they asked the question, who will go? Who will go before us? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. I'll go. I'll go before. It'll be me. I'll be all in. It'll be me. I'll be all in. Can I tell you guys something? That's exactly the attitude that God wants us to have. 
He wants us to have the attitude of all in. There's another story in the Bible where there is a, there is a mother and a daughter-in-law. There's two daughter-in-laws. And on the, the husband has died and the two sons have died. And it's just the mom and it's the two daughter-in-laws. And so the mom decides she's going to go back to a country Naomi's going to go back to a country, and the two daughter-in-laws follow her basically to the edge, and, and she looks and she says, no, don't do that. You guys are foreign. You guys are foreign. Go, go, marry foreign. go marry foreign men in your own country. Basically, go back and be comfortable, and don't, you don't have to put up with all this. Listen, I can't provide you anything. I'm just an old widow woman. That's basically what she said. And they began to weep, and one of the ladies said this, one of the, one of the girls, she said this, she said, Okay, I'll go back. And she went back tearfully, but she went back, and there was, but there was another lady. And she looked at her and she said, no, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. And it's a famous passage that says, listen, it says, where you go, I'm going to go. And, and who you serve, I'm going to serve. I'm not going anywhere. Ruth was committed, and she was blessed for it. Ruth said this. She said, I'm all in. I'm all in. You know what happens when we are all in with God? It tells God this. It says, God, I trust you. God, I believe in you. God, I am dependent on you. God, I am in need of you. God, I don't lean on my own understandings. I am dependent on you. God desires us to be all in. As a matter of fact, as I've said through this series before, the amount that we are all in determines literally the amount that God can use you. He wants us to be all in. Can I tell you another reason that God wants us to be all in? I'll tell you a reason. It's because what, it, it, other people need it. Other people need us to be all in. You know, it's amazing to me. Uh, I'm at the end of our cell phone contracts all right, we're coming at the end. We call those glory days in our home. You know, your cell phone gets beat to death, and you know, it's like you got eight cracks, and every time you put it to your head, it scratches your ear. And you know, we're, you guys, you know, y'all feel my pain, right? And so you come to the end of the contract, and it's like, oh, it's time for an upgrade. It's time for an upgrade. You know, my kids do the happy dance and all that kind of stuff. And so, so, but you know what? I've noticed something about cell phone people now. They don't. Their whole thing is, is we don't want to tie you down. We don't want to tie you down. There's one carrier called the uncarrier. I don't know even what the heck that means. It's uncarrier, but you're a carrier, but you're un. I don't know what that means. Why do they do that? Can I tell you why they do it? Because that's what we want. That's what we want. We don't want to be tied down. We don't want to be tied down. We don't. We don't want to be tied down at all. We don't, listen, we don't want to be tied down to anything. We want to do what we want to do when we want to do it and how we want to do it. And doggone it, that's what we want to do. But let me tell you a little secret. Outside, verbally, people want that. They say, oh, I want to be free. I want to be free to do whatever the heck I want to do. I, I want to do whatever I want to do. I want to I wanna go where I want to go. I want to be where I want to be. I want to have options. That's what I want. That's what they say, and that's what you see. And maybe in your heart, you're saying, man, I think I want that too. 
I think I want some of that too. But can I tell you the truth of the matter? The truth of the matter is, is that what they say to you? But when they come to me, their lives are jacked up. They're messed up. They're messed up. They're completely, see, on the outside, on the outside, they look really nice. And everything looks great. But see, once you get into a counseling situation, or once you get into a ministry situation, or once you, you begin to see the truth of the matter, and the truth of the matter is, is all of that other stuff is a facade. It's a lie. And they will do lots of things to keep up with that lie, but it's a lie. And what they know they need more than anything else is what God provides. I was talking to someone this week in the hospital. <clears throat> did a lot of hospital stuff this week. Kind of crazy, but I did. And I was talking to someone in the hospital this week. And we were talking. We got into a conversation about hope. About hope. And you know what we decided? I have no idea how people live without Christ in their life. They have, think about that for a second. Right now today, if Jesus never existed and this were all it is, would you have any hope at all? What would your hope be in? That you made a great grade on a test or, or that you got a promotion at work? And then what? Can I tell you what people need more than anything? They need you to be all in. They need to see people that are all in and that will live a life that they see hope in that will draw them. That's what they'll do. They'll draw themselves into whatever that hope is. And for us, it's Jesus Christ. It's Christ. That's what it is. It's Christ. People need you to be all in. And finally, you know what else? It's something you'll never regret. December 30th, 1995. I got up that morning, shaved the four hairs I had on my face. I was young back then. I didn't have this masculine thing here. I shaved those things, got dressed. And as I did what I did, there was wailing and gnashing of teeth all across the country. You could hear women crying out, no, no, because I got married and I was off the market. <laughs> That's right. All this was off the market. Sure it was. I don't know why you guys find that so funny. I didn't think it was funny at all. It was kind of sad for all those ladies. December 30th, 1995. I walked out, my bride walked down the aisle, and I was all in. All in. I remember going through my, and the, the fact that I even had this is kind of a man card issue, but I had kind of a box of letters that I had gotten from other girlfriends, you know what I'm saying? I know, I know, I'll drop it off at the table after the service, guys. But Wendy had the same thing. And I remember going through and just cutting up all those. I had cards, you know. Ladies, guys don't like cards. We like meat, all right? We like food. That's what we like. Gift cards is what we like, gift cards. 
But I got all these cards, and honestly, I took them and just threw them in a box. And I remember I had a shoebox, and I opened them up, and I started, I started cutting those things up. You know why I was cutting them up? Because I was all in. I found old pictures when I had hair back then. Me and other girlfriends. And I cut every one of them suckers up too. You know why I did that? Because I was all in. And through trials and tornadoes and struggles and adoption and Blake, <laughs> I have, love you, bro. I, we have remained all in. Can I tell you something? I've never met anyone in my life that went all in with Christ and said, Man, I really regret that. Yeah, man, I am. Why in the world did I go all in with Jesus? Why did I do that for? Why did I give my life to Christ? Why did I do that for? Why? Why did I do that? I've never met anybody that's done that. But I can tell you this I've met a lot of people. I've met a lot of people that have regretted not doing it. I told somebody this the other day, and I'll tell you this. I'm not living my life halfway, and I'm not living it mediocre. And I don't want you to live that way anyway. I'm going to tell you something. If I'm going to hell, I'm going to bust it wide open. All right? Ain't going to be no doubt in your mind or mine. All right? And if I'm going to heaven, I'm going to bust it wide open. Not going to be any doubt in your mind or mine. I'm going to bust it wide open. And that's how I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to live my life without passion. I'm not going to live it mediocre. I'm going to live it full throttle, full throttle. And so whenever they do my funeral, there's not going to be any question about whether or not I live my life with passion. That will be said at my funeral, and that needs to be said at yours too. God wants you to go all in. All in is what he wants. I want to encourage you today that you can trust him. You can follow him. It's not always going to be easy. If anybody tells you go all in, it's going to be all good. That's a lie. It's actually going to be more difficult. Jesus said count the cost before you come join. Count the cost before you follow. All in is the way I want to live my life. And I want to encourage you to live it that way too. Let's pray. Lord God, your word is amazing to me that I can open it up and I can begin to read it and the craziest things start happening with, just with the way you, um, Lord, the way you um, use it to show me things that I need to change and the ways that I need to grow. And so, God, today, I know there's people here that are not all in. I know there's people here that need to commit and go all in. There's people here who don't know Christ. There's people here who maybe think at some point they may have went down front and talked to a preacher about something, but truly knowing and following Christ, they're not doing that. And they know it, and I know it, and you know it. And so God, today, as we sing this last song, I, I, wanna, I wanna pray, my prayer is, is that people who don't know Christ, who do not know Christ, that those people would come forward those people that aren't all in, that those people would come forward. 
and to say, you know what, I want to be all in. Today's the day to go all in. Today's the day. Don't, Lord, I, I just pray that people don't walk out of here the same way they walked in. Lord, I pray that they don't carry the same baggage that they walked in, threw their bags down under their chair, picked them all up, and then walked back out. Lord, that's not a God you are, and it's not a God that they, that they need to serve. You're a God of all in. Lord, let us be a people that live with passion. Let us be a people that follow you and are all in. Not that we won't mess up, not that we'll be perfect, but God, that you'll be perfect and you'll continue the process of perfecting us. That's what our hope is. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, you guys, I don't know where you are with Christ. I have no idea, but I'll tell you this. Today's the day to go all in. And so I'm gonna be down front here. I'm gonna ask Eddie if he'll come down front on this side. We're gonna be down front here. We wanna pray with you. We want to, uh, we don't want you to leave here not knowing. We wanna pray with you. Go all in. It's exactly what God's calling you to do. Thank you so much for listening to this message from Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you'd like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and you'll find our contact information under the contact tab. We would like to have you join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at East Coweta High in Sharpsburg. Until next time, God bless you and take care.